God this week. Father, I thank you so much for my sister. Always willing to jump in, Lord. I pray that you just take what's done here today to just bring glory to yourself. If there's one here today, whether here, listening, or listening later, that does not know you, I pray that today is the day that salvation comes. And Lord, I just lift her up as she goes today to minister to her brothers and sisters and folks all around. Lord, the great news of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. All right. Well, I really appreciate Buddy giving me the opportunity to speak. Y'all know that I, I really enjoy doing this. It's, I don't know. It's, it's fun for me. But as I pray about what it is I'm supposed to speak, when the Lord starts saying, hey, you need to use football as an analogy, I am ill-equipped. Let me tell you, <laughs> ill-equipped. I, I understand it. I appreciate it. I do not have a team in the hunt. What I've learned from the team that I root for, which is the Redskins, is that I'm loyal, if nothing else. Okay? All right? Okay? So, so I've grown accustomed to, to being on that one-yard line and being excited, but, but temperancing that, knowing that all things are possible and the other yard line is somehow closer. So as my dad says, don't cheer yet. So, so uh, but anyway, uh, uh, Charlie Daniels, I guess, you remember uh, there was that ad campaign and he'd, uh, he'd always say, are you ready? Are you ready for some football? Well, today is football day. And I thought, as the Lord was telling me, hey, you need to use football as your, your sermon analogy because this is a day when the most people watch TV and do all sorts of stuff. Hey, can I have the, the beautiful bean footage controller? All right. So, Super Bowl Sunday. Today, in case you didn't know, a little trivia. Uh, last year, you may remember, it was 50, right? Super Bowl 50 had 5-0 in their graphic. Well, they decided that 5-1 looked silly, so we've gone back to Roman numerals this year. We're L-I. Okay, I don't know if we'll go back to numbers until it, we hit 100, but, but we're at LI in case you're wondering what in the world that is. All right? Now, things that I know you're going to find critically important to your life. More than 100 million people are going to view the Super Bowl today. That's around the world. Uh, last year, the retail spending, and that's not including uh, beverages and things, was a little over $15 billion for this one day that lasts about four and a half hours. Okay? All right? The stadium seats 72,000 people. So when you watch it today and it's packed, 72,000 are in that stadium. On Monday, the average resale price of that ticket was $6,000, and that was behind a pole. All right? So I'll be watching it from the living room. And the average ticket price early on was about $4,300. The most expensive ticket sold of the game today, $74,928. I... I have no idea where that seat could be. <laughs> you know, I, I, anyway, uh, this year, the, the cost of a 30-second spot, which for me, I enjoy the commercials best. While everybody else is cheering on all that other stuff, I'm waiting for the commercials to see what the puppy dog's going to do or the horse is going to do, all that stuff, right? But this year, the cost of an average 30-second spot is more than $5 million for 30 seconds. So that means that your average commercial break of three to four commercials uh, a minute or 30 seconds, your $30 million is going to be your average for that commercial break. Um, that's more than double what it was about 10 years ago. That's because we're, everybody's, more and more people are watching, more and more people are watching. And uh, that doesn't include the cost of creating the commercial. That's just the cost of you looking at it. Five million bucks for 30 seconds. That's pretty good money for somebody, I guess. <laughs> All right, for the rest of us. The rest of us today is about food, isn't it? All right. <laughs> Uh, we will consume, as a nation, 12.5 million pizzas will be eaten today, all right? Uh, one, this one I found hilarious, 1.33 billion chicken wings. We are wiping out the poultry industry today, right? 150 pounds of nacho cheese. I don't even want to do the calorie count on that. Have you ever looked at an ounce of that? All right, 200 million pounds of avocados. 
And then thanks to Scott Tissue on Good Morning America the other day, I discovered that 90 million people will use the restroom at halftime. Okay, which, if you put with that earlier statistic of 30 seconds a spot, and most people want the halftime show spot, 90 million of your viewers are not going to see it because they're waiting in line someplace. <laughs> All right, so, I mean, you know, it's just some, some common sense. But who won last year? Do you remember? Never. <laughs> you know, you ever, somebody knew, right? Most of you know who won last year? Be, be truthful. Now, now you question yourself because I didn't agree with you, right? See, now it's when it was, right? Well, it was different. All right. see, see how easy it is to just talk people right out of stuff? Yes, if you need affirmation, you are correct. All right. I didn't know. I had to look. All right. Who won 10 years ago? <laughs> 2006. Who won? <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, I'm sorry, let me clarify. This is not fantasy football, okay? <laughs> he said Redskins won. All right. <laughs> All right. Let's go a little further. Super Bowl number one 50 years ago. Who won? All right. I got two people that knew that. Anybody else here know that? <laughs> yeah, I'll start sending out the study guide to everybody. All right. My point is, most of us in, the, in here right now, if we were truthful, we don't have a clue, right? So we got, we got 100 million people watching. We got $15 billion on average, and that's not including beverages. And we've got all this other stuff going on with all these millions and trillions and billions of dollars that's only been going on for 50 years. And now I go back 50 years and I ask you, who won the first one that started all this mess? And nine out of 10 of us do not know, right? So leads me to the next question. 2,000 years ago, who won? Now, y'all should all know this answer, all right? This, you didn't need no study guide, all right? So 2,000 years ago, who won? Jesus. Where was it? Gethsemane. How long did it last? Three days. What did it cost? Him everything, us nothing. All right? That's a transition moment right there. So eye on the prize. Something that happened 50 years ago, we can't remember, but we spend $50 billion on it, and we, we have all these people watching, and everybody's worrying about it and eating avocados. But when it comes to the big stuff, we can remember that because it's life impacting. Who wins today will not adversely impact my life one way or the other. I'm not saying it's not fun to watch, but I'm just saying, let's put it in perspective. The big picture, who won two, three, or thousand years ago, we can remember that because it impacts us every single day. So are you ready? All right. All right. Now you're like, oh, I don't know where she's going now. We'll see. All right. Luke 12:40 reminds us, you also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. All right. I'm not standing here as a theologian. I'm just standing here as a willing participant, okay? So you're always free to investigate, look on your own, or whatever. But for me, when I hear this, there are two ministries and our ministers that I've heard talk about this. One is talking about the return of Christ, that he's coming. And you always hear people talking about the time is near, that he's coming back, you better be ready. Well, I've traveled all over the world, literally, and I'm not saying that braggadocious because I went to places that most of you would not want to go. I'm not talking Club Med, all right? And so when I'm standing in the thatch hut in the middle of Africa, I see people who do not know and who have not heard. And there's an incredible empathy that happens in my heart that I can wait for his return. I would rather he tarry and allow them to know than come quick and rescue me. 
So I struggle with that message. But I also know there's that other part that says, you know, this is talking about that he will come. But will it be just for me? That moment we all reach where, you know, that last breath moment where we have a personal encounter. But we none of us know when that is. So it's talking about that preparation. You've got to be ready. You've got to be ready all the time. All right. Do you have a game plan? We're going football analogies, boys. You better be ready. If I get it wrong, you better tell me because I'm looking around the room and I'm seeing football. I know you all know, okay? So feel free to correct me. Well, what I'm seeing, a lot of X's and O's, and they need to know where to go, okay? Right? A strategy. Having something worked out in advance. It's not spontaneous. It's not a spontaneous decision. It's not a spontaneous strategy. It's something you've thought about so that when you need it to be spontaneous, it becomes as a natural response. It's like, you know, Buddy and I were talking one day, and he was talking about when he was really in karate, somebody could just flinch, and he, he was ready to go because he was practiced and polished. He was ready to move. This is talking about that, that game plan. Do you have a game plan? Do you know the what-ifs? I work the what-ifs all the time. If this happens at work, what will I do with that? If this happens at school, what will I do with this? Do you guys work the what-if statements? The if-thens, I guess, is what they are. If this happens, then I'll do that. If this happens, then I should do that. We have to have Jesus factored right in the middle of that because those if-then statements can drive you to a level of anxiety that's incredible. If you don't have some, a plan, you don't know what the strategy is. I, studied the, I started to look on the internet about the, the NFL and their playbooks. The average playbook has 1,000 plays in it. There's one team that has 3,000, but then right underneath it was all this social media. They say, yeah, but they only use two. <laughs> and so then I started looking at, wow, 1,000 plays, that's a lot of stuff. And then they narrow that 1,000 plays down, it said average, to about 300 per game for the if-then. If then happens, then I'll do that. If this happens, then I'll do that. If he's injured, then I'll do this. If they come, I'll do Holy Toledo, the if-thens were incredible. And then I found out that there are all these study groups where the NFL players will get together to study the playbook. They want to know the play. They have intense motivation to know it because if you don't know it, you could lose your job. But if you don't know it, then you ever watch uh, uh, Madden when he's doing his plays and he circles somebody in the, in the, the bright Sharpie? They show the play and replay, and then, I don't know what this guy was doing, but he must have read the play wrong. I mean, you get pointed right out. But they memorize and they study those 300 plans so that they know when they call it, they have a clue of what their position is supposed to do. And then the quarterback, he's got the cheat sheet. You ever see that thing on his arm? You know, he's here and well, you know, Z11 or whatever. Oh, yeah, that means I, okay. So he, so he studied the book, but he knows that he better know what's going on if there's an audible. If something's called and he's not quite familiar, he's going to have his cheat sheet. I'm going to affirm today that, that we got a game plan. And the Lord says, for I know the plans I have for you, the plans to prosper you and not harm you, the plan to give you hope and a future. That's your plan. It's in your playbook. Do you know your plan? Y'all are getting quiet. We, we should I talk about bean dip some more? Y'all all right? You're okay? All right. all right? But you need to know the plan. You need to study the playbook in order to know the plan. You want to get to if-thens correct. If this happens, then I need to do this. All of it's in the book. So where is your position? To me, these are a lot of X's and O's. 
but apparently those who know football know that that owes the quarterback and that owes the center and that's the receiver and everybody's kind of got their position. And it's funny when I talk to kids and I say, you know, what's your position? Everybody wants to be the quarterback or they want to be the receiver because that's the action spots, right? Unless it's a running game, at which point you got nothing to do. But it's, <laughs> you got the, the quarterback because he's got the ball. He wants the ball. He's going to throw the ball. He's always involved in the play. You don't stand around. You got stuff to do. Then you got the receiver. Oh, yeah, throw it to me. Bring it on. Bring it on. And I think in our lives we change positions. The seasons of our lives change positions. When we're feeling good, large and in charge, we don't mind saying, I'm ready to be the quarterback. I got this. And it's kind of like when my folks call and they need something. All right, hand me the ball. I got it. Let's go. Right? And then there's those other times when you're like, let me help, let me help, throw it to me, let me help. Where you want to be the one, let me, let me help you. Ask me, throw it to me, give me an opportunity. I want to be the receiver. But I'm going to tell you, most of, I feel like most of my life, maybe it's just a, a weird analogy, but I feel like I'm in the center. I got the ball, I see somebody coming at me who has a nickname like refrigerator. And so the opponent is huge, right? You're about to hike the ball, you're trying to listen to know what to do. You certainly don't want to miss it because they're going to clobber you. And then I have to hand it off. I have to say, okay, Jesus, look. Look, you, you're going to have to be the quarterback because I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where to go. I don't know who to ask for help. I don't know who to send it to. There's a lot of I don't knows. My if-thens have overwhelmed a bit. But here, hup, hup, here you go. You take it because, and then I'm going to dig myself in and try to block the barrage of all the things that come at you from the well-intended, from the, the criticized, condemned, complained component, from the people who want to tell you what to do that you know just isn't right, and then your own self-doubt that tries to talk you out of the plan you know. So half the time we're digging in and we're waiting for the quarterback to say, okay, here you go. Either way, your, your goal is to advance forward. Advance. All right, y'all know football, so am I getting close? Am I hitting the analogy? Are we doing all right? These guys, again, I don't have a team in the hunt, so I'm not cheering for either one. But something that occurred to me as I was going through the, the pictures and the, the press packets that are coming out for the thing, I see these, these pictures of these guys running out the tunnel, and we've got some folks here who have experienced that. But what I see when I see them running out the tunnel isn't, oh, I hope the adversary, or maybe they didn't show up. Hey, what O's? Maybe the X's didn't show up. Maybe they got intimidated. I hope they forfeit. Man, I'm not prepared. I forgot my helmet. I don't know what's going on in there. <laughs> right? But what I see is there is a confidence that says, I have come to oppose that which is trying to prevent me from moving forward. I have read the plan. It's etched in my heart and mind. I'm coming, I'm stepping on the field prepared, and I'm ready to move forward. I have not approached the field with the method of defeat, but with the attitude of gratitude for the opportunity to be victorious. That's the way we have to approach it every day. You say, what's football got to do with me? Well, we step into the game of life the minute our eyes open every morning and your feet hits the floor. Welcome to the battlefield. Welcome to the game of life where the X's and O's collide all day. We have to approach life a bit differently. We've got to take the game plan. We've got to know the book, even if it's one little word. You know what? They remember 300 plays on average per game. The plays change. But they'll have 300 in their pocket ready to go. Average Christian knows 20 scriptures. 20. By heart. I remember I, I was in, uh, I keep bringing up Africa because that was a really 
interesting journey. I'll have to tell you all about that someday. But nonetheless, uh, the last time I was there, I had a pen in my Bible and the pen broke. And it went all over the place. Different Bible, obviously. All over the place. And then it drove me crazy that I didn't know what was on those pages. I realized, wait a minute, I think that. And I had to go look because it bothered me that I couldn't see it. But how many of us have this available to us every day? Very clear. Nobody's shooting at you. Nobody's preventing you. Nothing else other than you just go. But if it's going to prepare you for this, where you can victoriously enter your day, where no matter what X is coming at you, the O knows what to do. The no O is how to control this or think that. It'll change the way you approach the game. When you're in the tunnel, I was at Clemson filming, and the reason I put it over here is he played at Clemson. I was at Clemson filming, and they're all, they don't really have a tunnel as much as y'all run over the top, and they touch the rock, and then they come down. And then when they run down into, that, into the bowl, and what, the, what do they call the stadium? Death Valley. And I remember when I got down in there, there was no air. There was, there was no breeze, right? But I'm standing, and they're coming this way, and I'm filming, and all I can think of is I see people the size of Coca-Cola machines coming in my direction. Do not kill me. That's all I can think, because they can tell they're excited, they're pumped up, they're going to win. And I'm... <laughs> but there wasn't anybody... Oh, I hope so. Oh, God, again today. No. Oh. Ready to go. The foe was huge. The game was big. It was sold out. The crowd was hollering. The noise was so intense that our cameras that were on the stadium, we had to put a stabilizer in the, you know, the footage will come down into the truck where you see it. We had to put a stabilizer between the camera and the truck because the camera was going like this from the noise in the crowd. The loudest stadium I've ever been in, including all the NFL ones I've ever been to, was at Clemson. When they cheer, you know it. But I didn't see one person coming out of that, over that thing, rubbing that rock, going down in that hill, ready for battle that was like, Ugh. But I have to tell you, I'm like the rest of you. There are some Mondays where I'm Ugh. possibly a Tuesday, often a Wednesday, seldom a Friday, but, but you get what I'm saying. The phrase, do not be afraid, is written in the Bible 365 times. That's a daily reminder from God to live every day being fearless. Run through your tunnel of mourning and get into your day and be excited about no matter what the X is bringing your way, you've got a plan. And God says, do not be afraid. I've got you. I got your back. I don't care what's going on at work. I don't care what's going on at home. I don't care what's going on with health. God loves you. You get what I'm saying when I don't care. It's not that he doesn't care, but I'm just saying the circumstance does not exceed the power of God. Amen. Scripture says, fear not. It's really funny. You learn in, in broadcasts. It's all in how you say it, right? right? So you can say, fear not, for I am with you. Well, you know that's just not my mojo. Fear not! You say it with authority. You say it like you mean it. It's out of the book. It's a quote. Fear not, period. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I'm going to help you. I'll uphold you with the righteousness of my right hand. 
Fear not. 365. Is that irony or is that necessity that we need one for every single day? My fear not moments change. They are not the same every day. Phone rings in the middle of the night. Fear not. Because we all know that that's usually not something good. It's not somebody going, hey, how you doing? And if it is, they need to fear not. <laughs> so when they're in that tunnel and they're getting ready to go, there's something else that occurred to me. They got, they're ready. You got your shoulder pads on, you got your jersey on, you got your knickers on, you got your helmet on, you got all your stuff ready to go. They're ready. Scripture tell us anything about being ready? Being ready? This isn't the moment when you go, man, I wish I'd done more jumping jacks. I should have done 12 more sit-ups. Maybe I should have changed my shoestrings. My helmet's tight. Those are things that perhaps should have been dealt with earlier because now you're ready. You're ready. That process of getting ready didn't start the day before this picture. It did not. And I think that's for us. What we have to remember is the process of getting ready is every day. Every day we are preparing for a different being ready moment. Every trial you have been through is preparing you for that ready moment for someone else. Every trial you go through, everything you've been through in your life so far is preparing you for your reaction to it. And I say prepare. I had a coach in college and he would always fuss at us and he'd say, um, practice doesn't make perfect, it makes permanent. And we'd all be like, what? And he goes, you know what I mean? And we're all uh, clueless. Run more? I don't know. What do you want? No, he said, look, if you're practicing it wrong every day, then when you get in a clinch situation, you're going to do it wrong. So practice does not make perfect if the way in which you're practicing is wrong. And the veins are usually sticking out of his neck at this point. But the point of that is, if you're trying to rely on how you handle things today to help you prepare for what's coming in the future, and you are not practicing today in the right way, you are not spending any time with this, you're not talking to God even on your commute, you're not spending one minute to pray, you're not spending one minute to read, and then you expect to call on the depth of what you know when you hit it, you are not prepared. Read it when you don't need it, so when you get there, you got it. Because I'll tell you, you never know when the call's coming. You never know when the need's there. You never know when you're going to be asked to do something that's out of your comfort zone. And buddy, you better have your armor ready to go. And sometimes it takes a minute. It's almost like you go, wait, my helmet's in the truck. Let me get it. But nonetheless, you're ready. Lou Holtz. I don't know if you guys know who he is or not. I used to, I like Notre Dame football. I was filming something one time and I got to go to the stadium and the stadium was empty, but it was beautiful. But what struck me was that when you looked at the end zone at the field goal, the building right behind the end zone was a really tall building and they had Jesus painted on it going like this. So everybody would call it touchdown Jesus because when you look through the uprights, it looked like he was going, <laughs> but Lou Holtz, he always say, he was, I don't know if you know who he is, but he was a real small man, had big glasses, he talked kind of like this. But he'd always say, ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you will do. Attitude determines how well you'll do it. 
Let's read that again, because there's one more I'm going to add to it. Ability is what you're capable of doing. Motivation determines what you'll do, but your attitude determines how well you'll do it. And then I want to say for us as believers, there's one more. Authority. Knowing who gives you the ability that you have. The motivation in your heart. The attitude to be courageous. The authority to do things. Who's told you all things are possible. Not because you said so, but because I said so. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put the full armor of God on so that you can make your stand. When I look at football uniforms, I'm thinking that full armor. You've got to stand firm. That belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the feet fitted with the shoes of peace. Take up that shield of faith, your helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. You're ready to go. Are you ready? Do you have your helmet on today? That helmet of salvation, that thing, it's funny that it's a helmet because it's the, your mind is what gets you most often. You talk yourself into defeat and out of the victory that God has intended to you. Do you have your armor on? Do you know your playbook? Are you ready? So that no matter what the if then, God's got your back and your front and both sides. What if the shoes of Pete's are like cleats? What if you have to dig in? You ever see when people get on the line, they do this? We used to do that in softball all the time. You get ready to run, you dig that back one in because you want to push off, you want to go. You're not digging in because you want to go backwards. You're digging in because you want to go. You want to move forward. You want to propel yourself in that direction. Well, when the adversary is coming at you, when I look at these football guys and they get on the line and they're digging themselves in, they're determined, I'm not going back, I'm going forward. You're going backwards. What if that's what peace is really like when you want to have that peace that surpasses understanding? It isn't something that is just dropped on you. They go, here you go. But it's something you have to fight for. No, I will not believe the lies that I am thinking and hearing. I will not believe the testimony of people around me telling me discouraging things. I will not believe the criticized, condemned, complained components of everyone else. But I will believe what my playbook says, which is all things are possible. My Bible says, call on me, I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things you know not. Okay, bring it on, show me. Not, well, you know... I don't know, Angela, you don't know much about football. I'm not sure you can do this. I've got to talk myself out of this about 100 times this week. I even, buddy knows. I normally don't even talk about what I'm going to talk about because it will change on Saturday night, so what's the point? <laughs> so, so uh, uh, and I said, you sure? And he's like, oh, yeah, go for it. And I'm thinking to myself, you have no idea how little I know on this subject. But we have to suit up. We have to be prepared. We have to be ready. Then you can go and do great things every day. Your attitude changes every day. There's something new coming your way. You're not uh, offended or by it. You're not upended by it. You're ready. Your reactions change. Your motivations change. The way you handle people changes. It all changes when you know the plan. When you know you win, that's the really funny thing about the football analogy is our team enters the field already knowing that we've won. So why do we walk around like we're defeated? 
They run on the field like they've won, and they got 50-50 according to Vegas whether they're going to make it or not. You got to suit up, be prepared, be ready. Another great analogy about football is there's always somebody watching. And folks, there's always somebody watching. And when you're having your less than Jesus-like moment, there's somebody watching. And you hope when you're having your Jesus-like moments, there's somebody watching. This can't drive how you live your life. The worry and fear of who's looking, who's watching, what will they say, what will they do, how are they going to react to whatever. I don't care. Facebook, Twitter, tweet, Instagram, whatever it is that is the medium mode of criticize, condemn, and complain, you've got to decide, what's the playbook? What am I called to do? How am I going to live my life? And does this get to tell me how I do it, or does this get to tell me how I do it? And that's hard. And then, of course, like most things in life, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> There are commentators. There are people in your life who are going to try to tell you what to do and when to do it. And because you love and care for them so much, you listen. But I'm going to tell you right now, if whatever they, if you know your plan and if it's contrary to the plan, if the coach is told to O to go this way and you're talking to somebody that's telling you to go that way, you better listen to the coach. You better listen to the plan. You better find a way to not let the commentary of your life determine how you're going to live it. Let God determine how you're going to live it. Because, see, these cornballs will say, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I'm all, you know, it's really funny to me that when you play a sport and you're injured and you're hurt and then they'll go back, well, you know, we always had trouble. I keep thinking about it. I have an empathetic response of the next day when the player is watching and these guys are criticizing, condemning, and complaining or they're just making an observation that may nonetheless be true. Boy, does that pinch or sting. It has to. It has to. So we have to protect our hearts from that commentary that can really bring you down to the point that you're really not motivated anymore. Because, you see, if they'd had their way, and we'd had ours probably, David would been, have been the last one that would have been chosen to fight the giant. You hear me? David would have been the last one chosen. He was the smallest, the weakest. He was the runner. His job was to go get stuff and bring it to the folks that are waiting on the front line to decide what they're going to do. He was never the first pick. And when the... And when they finally, he volunteered, they were really convinced. They tried to give him the big armor and say, here, put on the big armor, here. They gave him all that weighted stuff, and he said, I can't move with this. He took it all off. They were convinced he was going to lose his life, and it was just going to buy him a day or so. I don't know if you all know the story or not, but he won that one. <laughs> because he was not chosen by the people. He was chosen by God. Okay, I'm going to tell each one of you, you were chosen by God. There's something God has for each and every one of you. There's something he has each and every one of you to do. I don't know what it is you do. I don't know what it is you do. God has something for everybody here. Everybody here, there's a plan and a purpose for your life. You are not an accident. You're on purpose. We keep waiting in life for these guys to show up. <laughs> not fair. 
If this were the case, that Nicholas, wouldn't there be one of these guys at the yellow bus about 7.15 every morning? Because <laughs> mama's about to have a cow. <laughs> okay, Nicholas, five yards back into the bus. We got, I mean, we, we, we need a referee some mornings just to get the day going. That's just life. Oh, when people are mean and hateful, you want somebody to <laughs> that, all right, take that back. We're going to roll that back. We're going to play that again. <laughs> None of that exists. It is what it is. It's out. It's said. It's done. Now we're into apologizing and fretting and fearing and crying and all that stuff that comes from that. Life doesn't have a whole lot of referees. If you're looking for life to be, to be oh, just this kind experience, you're looking for everything to be fair, uh, you're living in an alternate reality. Because even the playbook says there, is going to be a, there are going to be opponents. Some of them are going to be enormous. But you got this. I keep thinking of Newt Rockney. You've got to win, got to go, got to go, got to go, team. That's what this says. You gotta go, gotta go. The adversaries are gonna be big, but you gotta go. You're gonna win. You're gonna win. Calgary, three days. I was out of there. Only living God. That's me. You're gonna win. Don't wait for somebody to make it fair. Don't wait for, oh, well, I just need them to do the right thing. No, you need to do the right thing. Because you're gonna be waiting a long time. Because you're making some assumptions that we're all reading off the same book. And I'm telling you right now, we're not. We're not. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that is so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured on the cross the scorning of its shame, and he sat down on the right hand of the Father at the throne of God is in Hebrews. It's telling us there was a plan, there was a purpose. Here's what happened. Here's, here's the, the back story. There's a plan, there was a purpose. He, he survived that horrible moment knowing that there was joy coming. We have to survive life knowing there's joy coming. And in surviving, he said, I didn't come just to give you life, but life more abundantly. So that means that in our survival, there are these opportunities to really grow and expand and experience joy and peace that surpasses understanding, to pass that along to someone else, to help someone else, to take what he's telling us and saying, look, throw off the things that are holding you back. Throw off the extra weights that you're carrying around. The unforgiveness you have for yourself, I don't have for you. Throw it off. I don't know if you guys ever saw that. Uh, it was an old movie called The Mission where the guy had, had killed a bunch of people and he, he said he felt so bad about it that he went to climb up this really tall cliff with his armor hanging off on a rope. And as he reached the top, you see this foot of the, one of the aboriginal people kind of meet his hand. And had a, they had a knife in their hand. And he was trying to climb, trying to climb. And he had weight and, ar weight and armor, by the way, was uh, the weight of armor was a little over 300 pounds, was the average suit of armor weight. And so when you talk about armor in the Bible, they're not taking that lightly. That stuff was heavy. And so anyway, as he reached up and tried to pull himself up on the cliff, he was struggling with all that weight. And that aboriginal guy with the knife went like this, and you were expecting the horrible. But he reached over and cut the line. And pull the guy up. That's what God is trying to do for all of us. Cut the line on all that stuff we're dragging around. All that line on all that unforgiveness that we've got. And where we, we keep it in our hearts where we say, God, I'm sorry. And he's forgiven us. But we still think about it. He wants to cut the line. 
let you go. He wants to help you perfect your faith. Not be perfect, but know the perfecter of your faith. You've got to pursue this. There is, some, there is the pursuer and the pursuee. You've got to pursue this. You've got to know where your goal is. You've got to know that God has a call on your life. You've got to be willing to just put yourself out there and say, this is where I'm going, this is where I'm heading, and I know things are coming after me, but it doesn't matter, let's go. I win. You've got to pursue it. I'm always cognizant that there are, there are always something that's trying to hold you back, and you've got to shake it off. There's always something trying to talk you out of it, and you've got to talk yourself into it. You've got to know how to have that conversation where you say to yourself, all right, Lord, I don't, here I am. Here I am. Show me what to do today, and I'll give it all I've got. Here I am. It's really simple. It's really simple. Have you got the... All right. I want to show you something. It was an old movie. Uh, it's maybe 12 years old, I guess, but it's about a story back in 1973. Well, when I saw this, I, I was reminded again of that pursuit of knowing how to react, how to give yourself that opportunity to make a difference, but remembering that, that the plan has to be etched in your heart. It's not something that's just presented. It's something that has to be etched in your heart and mind. Let's, let's watch this. The world we live in today, there's always somebody trying to pull the plug on what you believe and how you believe it and why you should believe it. But do you notice when the one mic went off, there's no silencing the masses. If it's in your heart, they didn't look for the book. They didn't have to search for the page. They didn't need anybody to print it out for them. And they didn't need it on the jumbotron. It was in their hearts, and they spoke. God said that, you know, for me personally, it's time to give credit where credit is due. Every breath I take, every moment I live is not mine. It's a gift, and I need to be grateful for who it came from, no matter how the day goes. All right, stop that. <laughs> All right. He has, uh, he has made the sacrifice. He has given us the playbook. He's given us a plan for eternal life. 
He's given us the how-tos for victory. And then he taught us how to pray. He taught us how to pray. Let's give it a try. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful to be here today, and I'm so grateful for the opportunity, Lord, just to talk about you. Lord, I pray for everyone here that you'd begin to build a desire to etch the word of God in their hearts, that it becomes something that just is, it flows freely. That, God, you would give us the ability to read, and it would just speak to our hearts and, and to our circumstances and to where we are. That, God, we would be able to just really know you beyond any experience we've ever had, Father, that we would just draw closer and closer and closer to you, Lord Jesus, so that as the if-thens, as the X's and O's begin to collide, we, we know how to react, what to do, how to hold on. God, I pray right now, if there's anyone here today that just says, you know, I don't know where I stand. I'm not sure about the playbook. I'm not even sure about my relationship. Lord, if there's anybody here right now that just feels that way, I pray, Lord Jesus, you would just touch their hearts, that you would bring them into that closer relationship with you. If you're in that place today and you say, I need to, I need to do something, I need to rededicate, I need to reignite, I need to make that first decision, if that's you today, then all you have to do is in your heart say, Lord Jesus, please forgive me of my sin, Lord God. Please help me, Lord Jesus. Please come into my life. Please make the, all old things new. Give me hope for my future. And speak to me each day. If you prayed that prayer, if you've thought in your heart, if you're feeling it right now and even your mind where you say, you know, I need a reset. God is here to reset right now. You need to recalibrate. You need to get your focus changed. God is here to do that right now. If you're sick and you're, you feel, I, I need, Lord, I need your touch. I need your healing. I need health in my body. God is here to do that right now. He's going to meet you where you are. Whether you're sad or happy, he's going to meet you where you are. And he's going to embrace you. The word says that he binds up the brokenhearted. And that binding is like that warm, hugging touch where he just squeezes on you and says, look, I care so much, let me help. Thank you, God, that that's what you're going to do for each one of us today. That all of our needs all of our worries, all of the things that, Father, we have anxiety over, all of the things, Lord, we should have passed the ball to you long ago. Thank you, God. And today, we hand it off. And we are grateful, God, that you take good care of us. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
for some more. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope you guys enjoyed yourself. Uh, like we said, if there are folks listening online, any questions about that, man, share those posts. Share those posts. Put them back to the website because I'm telling you, just like getting that playbook, the more we see it, the more we hear it, the more people we can touch with Christ. So let us pray real quick. Father God, I thank you for each one here. I thank you for uh, my sister just sharing an amazing message. And Lord, I just praise you for all you do, and I thank you. In Jesus' name. Where's that football?